This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. So Luther, I think, gave us the formula for how to handle these things. It's you stand on Scripture alone and let the chips fall where they may. We're on the we're on the same side. We may disagree on, on certain theological issues, yeah, but, I, but I, we're I, on I, the same I, side. No, not at all. And, and look how nice we are to each other. No, I enjoy this and uh, appreciate all you do out there for the Lord. It's like you know what. What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Uh, we're not supposed to be lion sheep. We're supposed to be Koreans. And so just to, no matter who it is, this goes for everybody. Um, you're, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan. <laughs> it, it's, it's true. I, I love watching you and I love hearing what you have to say. And I think you're a, a great blessing to the body of Christ. Well, welcome to Conversations with Jeff. This is not Jeff. This is uh, Pastor Sam Jones, but uh, Jeff is here, as, as you can see. How are you doing, Jeff? Very good. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's really nice to be on the show. Yeah, it's it's really great to have the host of the show as the guest to the show that I'm host. I, I don't know. This is really confusing. Yeah. But 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 there is a reason why we're doing this. Um, you, you see there's an interesting narrative that's that's going around here, and we're going to clear clear up some of this stuff and, and have a conversation about it, because this is the purpose with Conversations with Jeff, is to go and have a conversation, talk about uncomfortable, difficult topics, perhaps, at times, and and maybe even some, some disagreement and stuff like this. I'm, I'm really just interested to learn about this and to really get the narrative out and to get the real story out about what's, what's going on, and it has to do with... Um, now, is it is it your uncle? Uh, technically, my uncle-in-law. Okay, your uncle-in-law. Yes. And and his establishment. So yes. I, I'm I'm starting to to already kind of go. Why are we talking about this again? But it, but it's because it's basically trending on Twitter every time you tweet. Yeah, yeah. I so. I, I, I I could I could post. I I believe that the Bible is true. It's like, yeah. Well, what about your uncle-in-law? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, well, it's not just that, but sometimes it's when well, I found when I tweet, I, I came and I called out uh, uh, compromise. And I remember I was giving Tom Buck a compliment who at different times, me and Tom Buck have, have been on certain sides of issues and certain sides not uh, on the same issue or, or not on the same side of an issue. We've we've agreed with each other and some things disagree with each other, but I was complimenting him. Uh, and saying like, hey, this this is great, you know, and I was talking about how we need to not compromise and was kind of affirming what he was saying. And somebody jumped in and they're like, yeah, but what about Jeff's uncle? And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that we, we get this opportunity uh, to, to talk about this. And so I'll go ahead and start off. 
what about your uncle-in-law? Okay, just just start <laughs> off with, with with that question. No, he has uh, he has a certain establishment, and and can you give us the name of this establishment? Maybe just a little bit of a background on on what this this thing is. Yeah, so so it's called the California Institute of Abnormal Arts, and basically, it it started out as like an underground circus freak show nightclub venue, uh, and he's had it for twenty something years i guess in in north hollywood um after after i got married we were living um we were living near there and it was actually while i was attending john MacArthur's church up at grace community church so uh, you know i typically you know i was i was brought on to run sound for carl's place and usually there'd be bands every now and then there'd be a freak show and which i've seen some pretty crazy things you know we'll we'll just Mm -hmm. we'll just leave it at that and, uh, yeah. And then, I mean, that was, that was basically, um, what I, what I was working for some, for, for some extra cash, extra money, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden that t- when basically what the way all this progressed and the way all this got started was because I was critiquing John MacArthur and because I was critiquing Phil Johnson, Phil Johnson decided to say that I'm compromised because I ran sound for a venue that he claims is a den of the occult and that thus disqualifies me from having an opinion on John MacArthur is basically the, the progression of the conversation, the progression of thought. So that, that, that's the storyline in a gist. Okay. So, so this is interesting. And I, and I feel like I, I need to be honest with everybody as, as I'm doing this, Jeff, we've known each other for five months, six months, somewhere in that range. Maybe I might even be a little bit liberal at the, the time of this recording mm-hmm. of how long we've known each other. Yeah. I, um, so, so, you know, I, I get on Twitter and I, me and you had talked just a little bit about this. So I'd kind of heard a story of your uncle-in-law owning a freak show museum kind mm-hmm. of a thing, uh, event center. Right. And I remember like the first time that I retweeted something of yours or I well, maybe it was our first conversation. I don't remember what it was, but all of a sudden I, I found out that you have this great following on Twitter and, and people are just <laughs> just going and asking me these questions. And I'm going, I have no idea what you're talking about because they're calling uh, the, uh, do you denounce the den of iniquity? They just start <laughs> off that. And I'm like, well, I. I've never been in a den of iniquity. I'm like, well, are you talking about like Planned Parenthood? That sounds like a den of iniquity. I mean, there's a lot of places that can be called den of iniquity. Yeah. And I'm like, I, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm afraid to do a, do a Google search on, you know, typing in den of iniquity for what might come up. Yeah. Uh, so I said, I'm, I'm not going to look it up. So I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about here. Um, and, and they were saying, well, well, do you denounce it? I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. So I'm not going to denounce something I don't know. But I, I denounce a lot of dens of iniquity, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it, but I also need to be honest because this is something that, that I have an experience in that most people probably don't. Um, I'm part gypsy and my my grandpa and grandma had a freak show. So, I mean, that's something we can kind of r- relate on in in one sense. Now, now they're, uh, they're unsaved. My grandma ended up getting saved and, and different things like that. And I, I've never been on the freak show. You know, I I don't have a third arm or something like that uh, to go in and be on the freak show, but um, but yeah, so so I mean there is kind of an interesting connection. So I'm really interested in, in discussing this a little bit further. But first of all, uh, 
when we're we're looking at this idea, it's this is a weird thing to talk about, okay? Yeah. yeah. Because because I'm sitting here going, there, there's so many logical fallacies that I, I'd like to address and and things like that, but I'm I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be, um, in the middle here uh, as right. much as I can be. This is very difficult. Um, so so this den of iniquity, you, you worked there. How long did you work at the den of iniquity? Not a den of iniquity. Sorry, it's the California Institute of, Ab- uh, of Abnormal Arts. Of yeah. Abnormal Arts, or okay. or as Carl likes to answer the phone, the CIA. The CIA. The yes. CIA. How, how long were you an operative for the CIA? Ten months. Ten months. Yes. Okay. And and so I I ran sound. Eventually, I start I started booking some bands, um, and just just because I was trying to help them out, help them out with running things and learning and and all that kind of stuff. But uh, basically, my job was running sound in a sound booth that was inside essentially I want to say a box or underneath a platform where it's about it was about four feet tall and I'm six foot three and so that, that was basically my my job space for about three or four hours every every Friday and Saturday night <laughs> okay that that's kind of that, that'd be a little tough I, yeah. I think there so uh, so you, you ran sound for him for about 10 months mm-hmm um, Okay. I you know the you know the thing the thing about the the thing about the space is it's a combination of a museum and mm-hmm. like a performance arts place right maybe a hundred people can show up like that that's like the max the room can handle right and um he he has it's basically like if you were to go to like an old school circus touring around you know they would always have like oddities and things like that that's basically what the outside of his place is so he's got like a den, a, a dead clown that was buried in his Shriners outfit. He's got, um, he's he he actually does have an actual plaster footprint of Bigfoot that runs in the family. Uh, we we could maybe get into that later. Um, and I do believe in Bigfoot. You know, if that helps anybody's you know trustworthiness <laughs> of me, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's got he's got Fiji mermaids. He's got he's got a, he's got a lot of different things, and it's one of those things where you you all you always are thinking, is this real or is this fake? You know, it, mm-hmm. it it's kind of like mind bending and that sort of thing. Um, if you look at Pulpit and Pen's website and their critique of me, they say because he has a dead clown, now I'm embracing uh, what, what was it um, uh, evangelistic necromancy, whatever that is. So that's, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting leap right there. Yeah. Um, now let's, you know, let's, let's, uh, kind of jump off on, uh, on that evangelistic necromancy there. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would you define necromancy uh, according to the Bible in, in maybe the occult and in, in what it's talking about, uh, when it talks about witches and wizards and things like that, I, I've got some ideas on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but how would you define it? Well, I mean, you know, like, I mean, clearly, any any kind of behavior or anything like that within the occult or witchcraft or anything like that is obviously a sin. It's it's one of those things where it's like, as we shouldn't have to say, you know, I believe that the occult is sinful, <laughs> but it's 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 still the, it's it's the reality, and I th- and I think that what ends up happening is things are taken out of context redefined 
and then attributed it to you. you. And we see this all the time in politics. You know, they'll take one little thing you said, they'll take it out of context, they'll spin it around and say, you're a racist. <laughs> it's like, that's, mm-hmm. it's to me, that's basically the same kind of um, strategy that's being used here. Um, and I, I, think it, I think it's important that we do understand that all of, all of this started out with Carl and his venue and his club and that sort of thing before he was really walking with the Lord. And then he, and then over the last few years, he's really turned his life around and mm-hmm. has been walking with the Lord. And he's, I mean, there's clear, there's clear cut fruit and evidence of his faith. Um, and, and what he, and I think one of the decisions that he intentionally made was, okay, we can either close up shop and I could leave and then could just go find another job or I could stay in this world and then be a be a light in darkness and so he he chose the latter does that mean that we necessarily agree with every decision that he makes no but at the same time he's family he he is a christian he does preach the gospel that doesn't invalidate any criticism but it's still the reality and the facts of the matter so Okay, so so let's let, let's pick up uh, right around with, with this idea here of what you just said that he he goes and he wants to um, use this as as an evangelistic opportunity mm-hmm. essentially is, right. is what Shabbat. Do. Yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything like that, but that's that's kind of what, what I felt like you were communicating. Yeah. Um, does is this is the CIA? Because I can't remember what that stands for. I'm yeah. sorry. We'll just go with the CIA. Uh, yeah, the, the CIA is is that a uh, listed as a ministry, okay? Is, is it on the same level as, we'll say, Pulpit and Pen, Grace to You, uh, Worldview Weekend, um, uh, the Shining Light Ministries, the Gatekeepers? Would it be classified in the same way as what uh, these, you know, ministries are, are classified? Uh, d- does he view it the same way? You know, is this, it, it's Carl is the guy's yeah. name who's mm-hmm. in charge of it. Right. It, is it, you know, uh, does he, is he listed as evangelist Carl, pastor Carl, missionary Carl? Um, you, you know, what, is this how it's, it's being presented? No, it, it I mean, it's, it's not, it's a ministry in the sense of just as if I was going to my secular job and I was sharing my faith when I come into contact with somebody who's not a Christian, it's not an organized, uh, ministry in the same way that like a grace to you would be, or the shining like ministries would be, or that sort of thing. It would be the equivalent of you run a movie theater and then you interact with people and maybe you share, you share your faith with somebody that comes in and because you started and you had a conversation with somebody that to me, that would be, that would be the equivalent like scenario. Yes, you would consider that ministry. No, you wouldn't consider that a ministry. That would be like an organized, we're designing this to specifically be a way that a church is going to evangelize to the world. And I think, and I think that there, there is nuance there, but there also does need to be that distinction. Right. No, no, I, I totally agree. So there was a point in time in my life when uh, I didn't know what was, was coming up next uh, for my life. I got done with an internship and um, I didn't know what was coming up next. And I, I turned in, in prayer, <laughs> turned to God, you know, and started praying. And I said, Lord, you know, if whatever you want me to be, I will be. If it's 
if it's going into full-time ministry, I'll do that. If it's being a burger flipping, I'm not saying a, a flipping evang- a flipping evangelist, but a burger flipping evangelist at McDonald's, mm-hmm. I will gladly do that. Now, I wouldn't have gone around saying, I'm, I'm evangelist Sam Jones if I was working at McDonald's, but I've been sharing the gospel at McDonald's my everyday life, being a Christian wherever God put me. And that's what you're saying Carl's attempt is, is that where God has placed him, uh, to that's where he's going to go and share the gospel. Right. Not not the idea of he's not saying this isn't a CIA church. Right. You know, and, and I think I think I think this leads us to a certain degree of a interesting kind of theological point of of understanding what is ministry because I th- I think one of the things that oftentimes we get m- confused and it gets kind of misconstrued within the church is that it's only the pastors that are doing ministry. Whereas in all reality, to a certain degree, we're we're all just believers. We just have different roles within the church, and mm-hmm. and I think that like you wouldn't say that you're the only person in your church that does ministry, and everybody else just watches you, right? And I, and, I sure hope not. Yeah, <laughs> like like your job as a pastor is to equip your church to go out into the world and do ministry. Like that's your job as a pastor. Whereas I think in the American church, what we do is part of it is this entertainment culture, but we sit back in church and then we sit and we watch you do ministry and then we go home and then we come back the next week and we sit down in church and we watch you do ministry. And I think that that's where a lot of, uh, to a certain degree, some of this misconstrued, misconstrued uh, perspectives can come from is because we're, we're all supposed to be doing ministry everywhere we go. It doesn't matter whether we work in the entertainment industry or we work, you know, flipping burgers or we, you know, are starting a company. Like we're all in ministry. It's just we have different roles within the church. Right. No, I I totally agree 100%. I think that's a very good distinction to make um to understand because it we are supposed to be a body of Christ working together, not just watching some people work, and that's that's important to understand. Um the reason I was asking this question uh, about the organization itself, CIA, is because that, that seems to be a a narrative on on Twitter uh, that that hey uh, you know he he thinks that this is an evangelistic ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, from what I'm understanding, what I'm hearing you say is that you're saying it's not an evangelistic ministry as in the place; it's the person who is evangelizing at a place. And so in, in reality, it would be nothing different than, uh, well, you know, let, let's not be coy about it. Okay. It's the grace to you crowd. A, a lot of times that, that are going out there, the MacArthur robots, mm-hmm. uh, that are sitting there, uh, attacking you on these kind of things. And, you know, yeah, we can even go and say nice things about MacArthur and, you know, we must always hate MacArthur. Um, <laughs> but, but these guys are coming out out after you, and, and they're saying this. They're generally of the crowd, and if they're truly following MacArthur, they, they have to be consistent uh, with MacArthur's teaching, I would think. And, and this is something I actually really agree with, and really like MacArthur's study on this is is on drinking. Uh, MacArthur comes out and he does this the study on word study on drinking. Uh, the only words coming to mind is uh, uh, the, the Greek word for dispensation and. Uh, the, the, but nonetheless, here yeah. it doesn't matter that uh, the, the Greek word for for wine, and he goes and he, he takes it and he shows that the alcoholic content isn't uh, isn't the same as as to what we would call wine today, and and we don't need to break down all this. 
But essentially, if you came down to it, he's saying drinking is a sin Mm -hmm. uh, for the alcoholic beverages. Now, what they would then go and say, have to say, if they're being consistent, that it's a sin to work at CIA and to go and be evangelizing there. It's also a sin to be a high school bus boy at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, do you feel like that would be a, an equivalent argument or do you think I'm trying to straw man them? Uh, but I, well, I, I well, don't know. You're, you're the one who's supposed to be answering these questions, not yeah. me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, here's here's the thing. And again, and again, this comes down to, in my opinion, intellectual honesty. If, you, if you're going to have a general principle, it has to be able to be generally applied. And so, so you could say, oh, well, you're just taking that example to the extreme. But if it's a general principle, it should be able to t- be taken to the extreme and it would hold up. Otherwise, you have to adjust your general principle. I mean, you know, the same could be said of somebody who, who serves alcohol at, let's say, Olive Garden. The same could be said of should you not get a, should a, should a college student not get a job at a gas station because they sell cigarettes? You know, right. the, this, the same argument could be made. So, so then the question is, how do we as Christians live in the world but not be of the world? How do we how, – how can we still be interacting with the lost if we're completely separated from the lost? And I think that, I think that there's a fine line of endorsing sin and promoting sin and being around sin. And that and that's kind of one of those distinctions that I think that I think that we do need to make as Christians because I feel like what ends up happening is it becomes this game of association and it becomes mm-hmm. this game of, well, you took a picture with so and so, so that must mean that you endorse every single thing that they say. I mean, I don't even hold John MacArthur to that standard with a lot of with a lot of the people that he hangs out with. But they'll turn around and do that to us while complaining that I'm doing that to MacArthur. <laughs> it's this right. it's it's this weird conundrum. It, it, it is definitely a weird conundrum and uh, in, in looking at that. Um, so you're okay. So, so back to the, to the whole story of, of CIA, mm-hmm. your, your work there for, for 10 months. Yep. Okay. Um, how are you currently employed by CIA? Uh, nothing. I, I have nothing to do with them except that, uh, I still, I still talk to Carl cause we are family and, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't, I don't work for them. I don't, I don't do anything of what I did. It's been since the last time I worked for them, it's probably been a good seven years, six years, seven years ago. Yeah. It's been quite a while. Okay. So it's, it's been six or seven years ago since you, you worked with, with them. Mm -hmm. And this is just kind of a little bit hard to process here for the the ridiculous (laughs) level. It's just kind of, you know, through the roof on some of these things that I've heard. Uh, on Twitter now because I, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't totally know the story or timeline mm-hmm. until like just right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because I was kind of going like, I, I, I when you're first telling me this, I'm like, well, it's an interesting story. So it's the idea of like, I care for the fact that it's interesting, but mm-hmm. I'm like going, I, I really don't care what your uncle in law does for a living or that you ran sound for him. I'll, right. I'll be honest. Yeah. Like I'm going, yeah, I, I just don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, like in, in the sense of when it came to the idea of coming on podcast network and, and things like that, I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, now the Bigfoot thing, I was like, well, okay, this is kind of interesting, but, yeah, yeah. uh, but we're talking about something that happened six or seven years ago that you, you worked for a company. Now I understand there's a little bit closer connection because, 
because of the relationship. But I'm sitting here going, you, I mean, you were never a part of a freak show, were you? Uh, not last I checked. I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure somebody could misconstrue something, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you move sound levels up and down. Yeah. No, I, I also did turn, turn on and off lights just to, I just want to be completely out in the open. I, I did do the lights as well. Oh, well, that changes some things. Yeah. Let me think about this now. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, this is, this seems like it's, it's kind of a, a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Now, with this, and, and I don't want to put you in, in like a super compromising position with uh, with your family, so I, you know, I understand this. But yeah, uh, what would be some things that you disagree with with Carl uh, as to how he does some things? Yeah, well, the the thing is, is that I've I've never liked that. Okay, so basically, to back up a little bit, the way that he runs his venue is that. It, it's an event space, right? So the, so what ends up happening is performers will come in and they'll essentially rent out the space and then they'll come in and perform. So he, he, he hasn't really drawn a lot of lines in the kind of acts that would come in and perform. So we've never been the biggest fan that, that he allows like burlesque acts to come in there, right? I mean, clearly I would not agree with that. But at, but mm-hmm. at, the, but at the same time, I get from his perspective to him, it's like it's like it would be the equivalent of a hotel space that rents out their ballrooms. That doesn't mean that they endorse every single person or every single event that comes in and rents out their hotel space. And I feel like, in his mind, that's how he sees his his venue is that he's renting it out. Somebody is just coming in and they're going to perform and put on a show and whatever it is. That that's not an endorsement by him of everything that they do and believe and say from stage. Right. So, you, you know, this is actually kind of an interesting uh, uh, idea here because this is really what our culture is going over uh, with the idea of being a platform or a publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so essentially he's saying that he is a platform and not a publisher. Right. And so therefore there is no endorsement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just being simply a platform. Right. Uh, much like Facebook's not. Right. Exactly. And so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now – that's uh, in, in saying this here, I'm, I'm more just describing what's going on because I'll, I'll be upfront up and honest here. I would not own CIA. Right. I, I, I wouldn't do it. Right. Um, I like I said, I, I've got quite a bit of connection into uh, freak show uh, things and carnival life and, and different things like that from from relatives. I, I wouldn't own something out on the carnival. I wouldn't own a, a freak show. I would go and separate from that, so I, I disagree with with what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting here going, I believe that needs to be an area of personal conviction, uh, not an area of uh, dogma necessarily. Now there are certain uh, things out there. I mean, I, I would sit here and tell people, you know, there are certain professions that are sinful. You shouldn't be a drug dealer. You shouldn't be a prostitute. You shouldn't be uh, all kinds of different things. Um, but I'm sitting here going, I, I think that there that is still up to individual soul liberty on on owning a freak show museum and event center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I would agree. And I, I think, I think that part, part of, part of the thing and part of the way that things have been misconstrued in the sense of like what my position is when it comes to all of this is that I think that they, they take the fact that I will endorse Carl as a believer and as a Christian as saying that I endorse every single decision that he makes. And I feel like, 
I, I would never hold anybody to that standard. You know, like I get, mm-hmm. I get a lot of criticism for criticizing guys like John MacArthur and Phil Johnson and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I, but but I'm not holding John MacArthur to this standard of I think that he believes. Let's okay. Let let's take that Shepherd's Conference Q and A session for example. Right. Okay. He yep. said he said I'm not going to fight my friends. Does that mean that he believes everything that Al Mohler teaches? No. It just means that he's not willing to draw that line in the sand and be a stickler when it comes to that. And so I I think like I don't hold MacArthur to that standard. What he should have done right. is he should have drawn the line in the sand and said, that's wrong. That doesn't mean that he can't be friends with with Al Mohler. Doesn't mean right. that he can't talk on right. the phone. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that, you know, maybe, maybe even hypothetically, they could still do events together as long as that line is drawn in the sand and they're very clear cut. Like, Al, come on, publicly, got to deal with this. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I feel like that standard applies here as well, is that. Just because I endorse, I endorse Carl as a believer, I've seen growth in him. I've seen the fruit. I've seen him preach the gospel. I've spoken to people that have been saved because of him preaching the gospel that come out of some really, really dark, dark stuff. Like, I'm not going to say, Carl, you need to stop preaching the gospel to those people. That doesn't right. mean, again, that doesn't mean I, I endorse everything, but he's, he is still saved and he is preaching the gospel. So can you uh, just just give a a clear definition of uh, exactly what you mean by you endorse him as a believer or as a Christian? Right. Well, I I would say that I've seen having having many conversations with him and seeing how he has grown in his faith and seeing how much he loves the Lord, how much he loves people and, and just the drastic change in his life. You can any sane person can tell that there's been a drastic change in his life and that he's walking with Christ. Um, so that that's all that I would mean by that. So, so basically all you're saying with that is that you're saying, I believe he's a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. J- okay. Just, just like I would say, Sam, I, I think you're a Christian, you know, that, so, so, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I know your innermost heart or something along those lines, but I'm just saying I've seen the evidence. Right. Well, in, in I mean, we we've we've talked about this several times. We have some doctrinal differences, uh, and yet we're we're wait, still friends. Wait, right? We do. I, I yeah. I'm gonna have to reconsider you being on this on this podcast network. Oh, no, I forgot. I did not disclose to you that I believe that Adam had a belly button. Oh, man. that's that's it. Let's let's shut this down right now. Oh yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> But but no, we've you know we've talked about uh, some different things, and you know that's one thing that I really appreciate about your your podcast uh, conversations with Jeff. Which, by the way, guys, you, I mean if you haven't subscribed, you need to subscribe to Conversations with Jeff, uh, the GK Podcast Network. I'm not sure what's the name of it on iTunes. Yeah, yeah I, th- I, th- I think we're, we're we're going with the GK Podcast Network, and we're, we're I think we're we're sticking with the GK, make that kind of the branding and that sort of thing. But yeah. Right, so you need to subscribe to uh, to it on iTunes and, uh, and SoundCloud. And, and the key thing is, like, when you subscribe to the G, GK Podcast Network, you're not only subscribing to Conversations with Jeff, you're also subscribing to Shining Light Podcast, all just with one click of subscribe. Right, I, there is nothing better than this. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything better. Same but, here. <laughs> uh, but no, look at this. This is an interesting thing when, when you look at the idea of endorsing somebody as a Christian. All you're saying is you believe they're a Christian. You're not saying you agree with their doctrine. You're not saying you agree with their decisions. You're not saying you even agree with their vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying you disagree or, or, or anything like that, but I'm right. just saying that that's not publicly w- what you're saying. And we're not talking about 
an organization that is a minist- uh, that, that is a ministry is an organization, even if he is doing ministry there as in personal ministry. Um, we're talking about just an organization. And, and I know I'm probably oversimplifying it for, for the other side, and I know that's probably a valid criticism of what I just did. But sometimes we need to take it to its simplest form to see, okay, even if you disagree with what Jeff is doing, does that completely discredit what he's, what he's saying on this about his uncle-in-law's vocation? I've got some uncle, uh, uncles that I really don't agree with their vocation. Um, in fact, I, I've got an uncle that, uh, I, just like what you're saying here, lived a, 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 a life of sin. In fact, uh, last I knew, he was a, a pot farmer or on the carnival, not for sure which one. But in the last few years, he had a, a pot farmer in a state where that's legal, just, just to make that yeah. clarification. Yeah. Um, he, he had a, a radical change in his life and, and claims Christ. Now, do I agree with what he's doing? No. Mm-hmm. Do, do I see that he's saved? Yes. Right. And that's basically what you're saying here? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think, again, to bring this back to the theological perspective— is that there? I think I know where you're going. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, there, there is a, there is oftentimes, and especially with this crowd. And again, I'm saying this because I'm, I come from this crowd. Like this, these are my people. These people that are criticizing me are my, are my people. Um, but there's a mis, there's a misconstruing between justification and sanctification. And I think, and I think a lot of times, what you hear is no Christian would ever do X, Y, or Z. Whatever that is. And and I feel like what ends up happening is they're saying that that the sanctification process, which is us becoming more like Christ, that that's an instantaneous, you're now going to be essentially the perfect Christian. They'll always have the asterisk of, of course, you're still going to sin, but no Christian would ever do X, Y, or Z. And then you look at scripture and you're like, um, David had an affair with a woman, killed her husband. And then took her as his wife. I mean, I don't, I don't think that that was proof that he wasn't saved. Like right. he messed up horrifically. It was still sin, but that didn't invalidate his justification. And I think that we have to be careful with applying the principles of sanctification to our justification. And I think, I think that's an interesting conversation that I think that we as the church in general should be having. So, so, and I, I think maybe the, to get it in one phrase, perhaps, is lordship salvation. Yeah. Now, you are a lordship salvation guy, correct? I am, I am a lordship guy, yeah, which, which, okay. which makes a lot of these conversations interesting. Right, the, 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 <laughs> it does make these conversations interesting. So, so how, do you, um, how do you bring those two ideas together of lordship salvation? Because I'm, I'm just guessing— that there's probably some misconception around the term or is in what you're meaning by the term. That's my assumption. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'm going to turn it over to you here. Uh, you know, how, how do you justify the idea of lordship salvation in one side and then the other side of a, somebody who's not completely living for the Lord, uh, and yet claiming to be saved? Right. Well, so, so I, th- I think that what ends up happening is there's, there's different degrees of lordship salvation. And so you, you can have the, 
and by lordship salvation, what we mean is that when you when you become a Christian, you become justified. What ends up happening is that is that there's what what the people in the lordship camp call or like the easy believer easy believism, which is basically how you all you have to do is place your faith in Christ. There has to be no repentance from sin. And you don't have to change anything in your life as long as you made that decision that one time. It doesn't matter about anything else. And then now you're saved. Um, whereas I I think that the the lordship guys can take things too far. And I'll, and I'll, I'll explain how. You've got John MacArthur type lordship salvation. And then you've got John Piper lordship salvation. Now, John Piper takes lordship salvation to the extreme in his view on final salvation. So what he says is that there's justification when which is when you place your faith in Christ. Okay. And then you have sanctification which is basically where you're earning your final salvation. So if you don't if so if your life if you're not living a life essentially even though he would say if you're justified you're going to be sanctified and you're going to receive salvation, mm-hmm. he splits those up to where you're essentially spending your entire life earning your salvation. And I've heard quotes from several of these guys that say that I can never be sure of my salvation because of my sins. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard Billy Graham say that I've heard John Piper. I've, I've heard, uh, I've heard even like RC Sproul imply it about somebody else. It's, it's this idea that your sin or whether it's uh, a lack of sin or too much sin has direct impact on whether you're going to receive salvation. And I think what ends up happening is you're mixing you're mixing it all up. Is that I think, in my opinion, you have justification, which is when you place your faith in Christ. As soon as you place your faith in Christ, you are saved. Now you're going to spend your entire life going through the sanctification process, which is the process of the Holy Spirit making you more Christ-like throughout the rest of your life. Now the key distinction here is that I don't believe that that means that you're going to be instantaneously perfect. That and it right. doesn't mean that there that you're never going to mess up. It means that you're going to be gradually becoming more Christ-like. Now, for some people, that may be very gradual in the beginning or almost non-existent, and then maybe you're you're going to grow more later on in your life. But there's always going to be that trajectory. I just think that we have to be careful with saying that no Christian would ever do X, Y, and Z because we see examples of people that clearly are saved throughout the Bible that messed up way more horrifically than I think we've ever seen any Christian in modern history behave. And I think that we have to be careful because I think we're, we're mixing up these two and then just combining them all into one, like sanctification and justification are both combined. What's making us saved as opposed to just play, you know, Ephesians two, eight, nine for by grace, you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. It's important. Like it literally says not of works. So why are we saying that works are what gets you into heaven? That's what we have to be careful with. Right. And it, it, and so I, I kind of struggle with this whole lordship salvation thing because there's so many different terms with it. I, I generally claim I'm, I'm not a lordship salvation guy. Um, I, I hold to that, but I sit here and I, I preach vehemently uh, the idea of um, – for by grace you save through faith, then of yourselves it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then I go and say, 
uh, faith produces works. Real faith produces real works. There are real evidences to our salvation. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you have total evidence. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're always showing evidence, but that there is some evidence. And I think that's I think that's really what you're getting at. And I, yeah. Uh, with, with all that. Now, now, one more question on soteriology, and then I kind of want to move into uh, a little bit of, of how this works out and plays out with with some ecclesiology, if I can remember the questions I just had. Yeah. If not, we'll skip that part. Sure. Um, <laughs> but so, so what you're hitting on here with, with lordship salvation, it really kind of brought up some ideas of, of the last point in TULIP, uh, perseverance of the saints. Now, would this be Maybe what some of these guys, these extreme lordship guys are saying, are leaning towards more of a perseverance of the saints as opposed to maybe a true eternal security in the sense of perseverance of the saints is 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 focusing in on those who are Christ will per, uh, persevere, as in the idea of eternal security, simply put, is just once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a combination, there is crossover in that, so I'm not trying to denounce one side or the other, but— right. But which side is emphasized? Is is that kind of what they're getting at with with these kind of things? Yeah, and and, and I think again these terms become interchangeable in a lot of these kinds of conversations. So when I look at like the perseverance of the saints, or as like one of my pastors growing up, he would call it the preservation of the saints because it's God preserving us, not us preserving ourselves. Um, but you're, what what to me what that principle is talking about is that once you place your faith in Christ, you are saved, like. Until the end, you're you're going to heaven. What ends up happening, though, is a lot of times what these people are doing is they're saying that there's the perseverance of the saints, which means that you're going to persevere throughout your entire life, which means that you're going to essentially be the perfect Christian. And that thus, if you're not persevering right this second and behaving exactly as you should be, you have reason to doubt your faith. And I think, and I think that we have to be really careful with that because the Bible clearly does say that we can have assurance of our salvation. But when you look at a lot of these lord, extreme lordship guys, and again, I'm, I want to say extreme because I am a lordship a, a lordship guy, but I don't take it to this extreme. Is that a lot of these guys are like 95 percent sure that they're saved, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's like, no, the Bible clearly states we can be sure of our salvation. And it's not based in us. It's in spite of us. It's not based on our works or our good behavior. It's in spite of our works and behavior. And that's that's the whole point of the cross is that we can't do anything to save ourselves in the sense of our sin makes us to where we deserve hell and we deserve eternal punishment. And the only raise, the only way we get to heaven is because of Christ's penalty and him dying on the cross for our sins, for our sins paying that penalty for our sins. It's, we're not getting to heaven because of us. We're getting to heaven because of him. Like if it was up to us, every single one of us deserve hell. And to me, that should be so extremely humbling that I don't deserve this gift. I don't I don't deserve eternal life. The only reason why I'm getting it is because God gave me something that I don't deserve. And even now I still don't deserve it. Even now as a Christian, we're, we're all still messing up. We're still all sinning. It's not like any of us are perfect. And so we have to remember that, that different people are starting at different points. Different people, you know, when they became a Christian, some people may have been way more drastically sinning than maybe I was or vice versa. And maybe they're they're starting here and I'm starting here. Clearly, I'm going to be, quote unquote, more sanctified in the beginning of my 
uh, salvation experience right here. And they're slowly catching up just because they're behind me doesn't mean that they're not saved. And we have to show grace and we have to be trying to reach these people and help them in their walk with Christ, not just try to say, hey, you're messing up too much. You're not saved. Right. And and I guess that does play into even, you know, to st- stick with the Calvinist theme here, uh, total depravity. Uh, looking in this and saying total depravity, it's not sitting here uh, saying totally depraved as in people will always do the worst thing, but the idea that we're always we're never doing something good is mm-hmm. essentially that idea. Yeah. Uh, there, and uh, look, you know, looking at that though, that means that there are some people who are doing worse than others, and and that's kind of what you're you're communicating. Yeah. Um, with this idea of of kind of the lordship salvation that some people are impressing, saying Carl must have to be a sa- uh, to be saved. The idea of uh, as soon as he got saved, he had to quit sinning. Um, it, but once again, I'm I'm over oversimplifying. Yeah, I, but I but, admit that. But to be fair, it is, it is kind of the gist of the of the complaints. <laughs> right, right. Uh, if we're going to hold that true, and I know you don't really have the answer for this because I'm not asking the people who are making this claim, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you this question anyway. How would church discipline work, or why would we need church discipline or any passages on church discipline if Christians got saved? Well, people got saved and then they became Christians, mm-hmm. and then they never sinned anymore. What I mean, I mean the the whole the whole premise of church discipline is to discipline the church, like it's it's in the name. Like you're, we're not disciplining the unchurched. It's not unchurched discipline. It's church discipline. I mean, you, you, you look, look through the New Testament. I mean, Paul is consistently talking to the church and telling them, telling them to stop doing disgusting things over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Now, he's not saying go into your unsaved pagan communities and tell them to stop doing these horrific things. He's telling the believers, stop doing, stop, you know, whatever it is, idolatry or stop, stop bringing in your old I- idolatrous habits. Stop you know, X, Y, and Z. I think, I think the thing is, is that like Paul, when he's consistently writing to them, he's, he's telling, he's calling them out for their repeated sins that, that they were doing. We see it in Revelation. We see it in, uh, in the epistles. And if, if there was no, if we're immediately justified, sanctified, and thus, I mean, what they're saying, essentially glorified in the sense of we're now practically perfect with minor asterisks of, of sin. It's like, so really what, what, what's the point of all the epistles? Literally. Right. I mean, literally the epistles are calling out horrific behavior. I mean, right. are, are each one of those people no longer justified? And, and again, this, this, this isn't a, this isn't a justification in the, in the sense of justifying bad behavior, but I think it, it's, it's the theological point of understanding our salvation and understanding our our pride i think because a lot of times you know when you look at the pharisees they would they would list off all these behaviors that you have to obey and then they turn around and say look you're not obeying it as much so clearly you need you need to fix your life and or else you're not saved and then jesus come and comes and says my burden is easy and it's it's like there's there was this drastic change because our salvation is no longer dependent on us it's dependent on him in spite of ourselves and that's the thing that i keep honing in on, but it's important that we understand that because I feel like that's missing in today's church to a certain degree. Right. So, 
So, so let me give you kind of a quick fire, and you tell me if you endorse this, or maybe I should just say agree with it or disagree with it, because sure. th- these these are some of the things uh, that that have been brought up to me uh, on Twitter uh, as as accusations as to why I shouldn't associate with you, Jeff. Okay. Um, for those listening at home, like I said, this isn't me making this stuff up. This is from things on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> It, it, uh, is, it, this 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 kind of reminds me of like it's going to be like a Jimmy Kimmel's uh, late night show where he's having all the celebrities come on and read mean tweets. Is that, is that basically what this scenario is going to be? <laughs> well, I, I'm actually not going to re- read them, but okay, yeah, but yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. Hey, by all means, do, do you endorse um, mannequin pornography? Absolutely not. I don't even know what that is, but no, it sounds horrific. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm, like I said. Yeah. Uh, do you endorse the occult? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, do you endorse, let me think here, there, there was another really, really uh, interesting one that was was presented. Um, do you, oh, well, it, it was, uh, do, do you in, in, endorse uh, dead clowns? The, the storing of, of keeping dead dead bodies, is, I think is what it was. But I think you described it was a dead clown there yeah, at I the mean, beginning. But... To, to me, that's one of those things that's like, I don't really care. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting experience to see it. Uh, I, I mean, if you had the opportunity, would you get one to put in your living room? I wouldn't put it in my living room, no. I mean, that, that, would, that would be Yeah, creepy. it wouldn't make yeah. sense. It would be a dead room then, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you know, I think those are the three main ones that kind of has repeatedly come up. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the mannequin pornography was really one where I'm like, I, I don't even know how to respond to these people right now. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it again, I, th- I think a lot of this comes down to, we all, we all, we also have to remember that as, as Christians, we we may be around non-christians that behave poorly we were we if if we are actually getting in there that doesn't mean that we participate in sin or in poor behavior but we we we're supposed to be in the world we're supposed to be talking to people and in the my only point that i had with with carl is that he's actually in there talking to people with the actual gospel to people that are actively involved in the occult that are like, literally there's a brand new, huge Scientology center. That's kitty corner from his place where he's running into them all the time. He's literally dealing with people that have, have been dealing with uh, Masonic rituals and they've been dealing with the occult. They've been dealing with demonic oppression. I mean, like they're, they're hardcore into these like death metal demonic rock bands and you know people in the entertainment industry like there's a lot of really bad dark stuff that goes on that goes on in hollywood now if if all you're going to do is you're going to go to your church where you're dressed in a suit and tie clean cut and you're not going to associate with those non-christians because of how evil they are how are you ever going to reach them they're they're pissed off at you they don't want to go into your church you know, it, because they feel out of place. So they're going to go the complete opposite direction. And this isn't a seeker sensitive kind of thing like, oh, we need to stop wearing suit and ties to church and stop having an, an orchestra perform at our church. But there's still that principle of 
we're called to go into the world. We're not told to, to bring the world into the church in order to hear the gospel. And I think that whatever it is you want to say about Carl's decisions are fine. I'm, I'm not going to fight with, fight with you on your personal conviction. But I think the principle still comes down to he's actually in the world and actually preaching the gospel and people are actually being saved. So you can critique these other things, but you still have to acknowledge that people are actually getting saved out of like literally demonic occultic oppression because he's being faithful and he's preaching the gospel. Now, I I don't think that everybody needs to go and open up a freak show museum and an event center and to go and to do that. So, and and I, and I I just want to clarify too, I don't have any plans of doing that with the GK. So just, 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 just so we're clear. Well, my family just quit supporting it because they were, that's what they were holding out for was they were wanting to get into the museum. No, Um, but, but with that being said, it's, it's not that we have to go into do those kind of things, but the principle that you're hitting on is go to the world and not, not to be of the world, but to be in the world. But it's not really inviting someone to church is great. If you invite people to my church, I preach the gospel every Sunday that's not the only thing I preach, but I make sure it's presented just in case somebody does do this. But that's not really fulfilling the Great Commission. Fulfilling the Great Commission is going, and it's, it's not even just getting people saved. It's also discipling them, which would be a whole other podcast. But but it's going out, and it's it's witnessing to the world. Um, I, I know I've had pastors look at me, and, and hey, if you came to our church— Nobody thinks we're seeker sensitive. If you hear me preach, nobody thinks I'm seeker sensitive when I preach. Um, uh, the favorite insult that I've ever gotten was that I was a, a prosperity preacher, and I was going, "Man, I must be really bad at that." But um, I, I, I've gone and had pastors ask me, "How do you get invited to the unsaved people's house?" And I realized the big issue is not that. The person hasn't gone to an unsaved person's house, but they don't even they don't even have a relationship with unsaved people to be invited to their house. I've I've been to uh, you know been, been to places where where I'm going. I, I don't agree with what's going on. I, I don't agree with these people. I, I don't endorse anything as to what's going on. But I'm here to minister to them. Now I also understand there is an issue with association. So so like I said, I I wouldn't own uh, CIA. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's where I would stand stand on on the whole thing, right. but I, I'm also reminded of D.L. Moody's uh, quote, and I'm going to loosely paraphrase it. Somebody came to him and they said, "Sir, I don't like your method of evangelism," and his response was, "Well, I don't like my method of evangelism sometimes either. What's your method?" And they said, "Well, I don't have one." And he said, "Well, I sure like my method of evangelism better than yours." my way of doing something better than your way of not doing something or something to that effect. Yeah. Well, but, you know, it, well, and I think kind of go, going along with that too, is that we have to be careful. And again, I'm not saying, okay, let's all go out and we're going to start freak show nightclubs. Or we're going to, we're going to invite non-Christians to come perform at our venue that may be into some deep, dark stuff. I'm not saying that by any means, but we still have to be associating with non-Christians. We still have to be building relationships with non-Christians. And a, a lot of the things that the non-Christians are doing are not things that we agree on. I mean, 
I I have friends that are gay. I have friends that are, you know, living with their, you know, somebody who's not their spouse. Like you, you have friends that, you know, I've got friends that drink too much. I've got friends that do all those kinds of things. But if I, but if I drew that line in the sand and said, I can't associate with you because you're drinking too much or you're doing X, Y, and Z, how will, how will I ever have that conversation with them of, Hey, you know what? You know, this is sin. God has a standard. God, you you can be saved from this sin and you can have eternal life. But how how are you going to have that conversation with somebody if you're not willing to have a relationship with them? And the thing that we, I think that we as Christians have to remember is that in my, and again, this is my opinion. A lot of people would will disagree with me, but non-Christians are not the enemy. They're a mission field. Now, I would say the people, mm-hmm. the people that are, let's say, religious leaders of false religions or uh, people that are that are like the really big promoters, we could say those people are the enemy. But the everyday non-Christian that is sinning, they're not the enemy. I'm not going to disassociate with from them because they're behaving the way that their depraved heart is leading them to, to behave. I'm going to try to build a relationship with them, show them Christ's love and preach the gospel. That doesn't mean that I'm giving them a pass on their sin. It means that I, I expect them to sin. They're lost. They don't have the Holy Spirit in their life. And so we have to remember that that we shouldn't treat them like the plague. We need to treat them like the mission field. And it may take years and years and years of building that relationship and constantly talking and praying and, and dealing with things and being the right example before they even before God even opens their eyes and they come to Christ. And I think that that's something that we have to remember as well. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I remember a couple of years ago, I was playing basketball at a a church basketball league, and I, I'm not six foot three, so I was sitting on the bench, uh, because they didn't want me out on the floor. I'm five foot seven, and uh, <laughs> in, in in a guy sitting next to me, and I mean this is a church league, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's sitting there cussing and cussing and cussing and cussing and cussing, and he's realizing I'm not. Now I I never say anything. I I never say anything if somebody's cussing around me. And he had no idea that, that I was a pastor or anything like that. And he, he kind of turned and he looked at me. He said, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be cussing in a church. And I said, well, you, you know, God can hear you, in a, hear you in a church as well as he can hear you anywhere else. And my, my place was maybe to plant the seed of, you know, cussing's maybe not something we should do. Right. And it, 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 to, to that degree and what, what he was doing. And he goes, well, that's true. And, and he goes, bleepity, bleep, bleep, bleep. Because <laughs> he took it the other way of, of – well, if God hears me out there, he's going to hear me here too. So who cares? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, but through that, if I would have gone and, and been, Ooh, I don't want to talk to that guy. I don't want to be around that guy. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go and to do, uh, we did many Bible studies with him, evangelistic Bible studies, invest, uh, God's word in him and in everything like that. It, it led to a great relationship after that. And, and that's, that's just an you know incredible thing to look at that. There, it's not a toleration of sin, but we shouldn't be surprised or disassociate with unsaved people because of their sin. Right, and that's I, that's where I stand at uh, on the issue. Um, now, I I mean, when when it comes to the CIA, I I don't know. This is a this is a a, a weird thing, I guess, to look at. And I'm going. I've never seen somebody be attacked so much for. Uh, their uncle, their uncle-in-law's position, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or thing that they they they've owned. So I guess 
any more thoughts on that? Because I think we've uh, – or anything that you could think of that needs to, to be brought up. You've probably been told a lot more than I have. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I, th- I think the thing that we, that we need to remember is that, is that the, the, these attacks that are being used are a strategy that's being borrowed from the political realm. Which you know we we we've seen we've seen Democrats do this to Republicans over and over and over again. I mean we we saw we saw them say that Mitt Romney is a racist. Now we can say all kinds of things about Mitt Romney. I mean he's a Mormon. He's not a Christian. He had the precursor to Obamacare. I, I get he, there's a lot of ways you can critique him, but that doesn't mean that that you make these personal slanderous attacks based off of one little thing taken out of context. We've seen Democrats do this to, to Republicans constantly. And then we saw for the first time that I, at least that I can remember Trump turn around and do this towards the Democrats. And that turned mm-hmm. a lot of Christians off is because he turned around and he did, he did it to Hillary. I mean, some of it may have been warranted. Some of it probably wasn't. I mean, he, we saw, we saw him totally, you know, slander Ted Cruz. I mean that he, he borrowed the democratic attack strategy in order to win the primary and then win the general election. Clearly it works because it, it, it plants that seed in people's mind that even if it's true or not true, it's still in the back of their mind. Like, mm-hmm. is Ted Cruz lying, Ted, or isn't he? You know what I mean? Right. And so what, what ended up happening was that this all came around because of criticism of John MacArthur and Phil Johnson. In all reality, this came out of the interfaith dialogue conversation. And because I wasn't backing down, they started doing opposition research and found this angle that they could try to attack me with from something that was years old based off of a family member. And it's literally a borrowed attack strategy from the the left and essentially Donald Trump in order to try to discredit me so that way my opinions on interfaith dialogue and MacArthur's position on social justice and things like that are no longer valid as if that discredits the content of what I'm saying. And so so for me I just decided I'm just going to keep plugging away. I'm just going to do what I do. They can they can keep doing that. I know I'm never going to I know I'm never going to convince them otherwise. And that's just, that's just the reality of it. But I do think that having this kind of a conversation with you where you, even you can ask, ask questions and I can answer and that sort of thing hopefully will allow people to kind of think through a little bit more. Whether they change their mind or not, that's totally up to them. Everybody has their own convictions. Right. Now, and I will say this too, uh, you have to do quite a bit of research and I mean – Hey, you should feel really good about yourself, Jeff. If the only thing they could find was something from six or seven years ago, um, of your uncle-in-law in in a past employment. I mean, um, I'm guessing that normally they find some stuff before that, uh, on most people. So that's, that's a pretty big, and and also just to, to point this out too, it, it is a logical fallacy to discredit the, uh, the, the teller of the information, instead of just looking at the information uh into in look at this because we, we get criticized all the time that we never like john MacArthur. john MacArthur could come out and say uh his favorite color is red and we would go and say that's a sin you know it's what some people would go and say right um all his favorite color is red he's a communist that's what that there means, you go right? yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, but i mean i i have plenty of good things that i can say uh, about john MacArthur and have said about john MacArthur. 
Um, but I have things that I, I disagree with, uh, with John MacArthur. And I think it's, it's the content that needs to be looked at, uh, on the basis of something, you know, I, I look at it and I go, when it comes to social justice, I honestly think that some of the, uh, the best statements that have been made on social justice were in MacArthur's first four, uh, blog posts on social justice. When he said it's the greatest threat to the gospel today. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yep. I, I disagree with his actions and some of the things that he said after that. I disagree with some of his doctrines or or as to to these things. Uh, but I'm going, I will give him credit and say that was an incredible statement. That was something that spurred me on uh, in, in that statement and to, to go into dig into this deeper. Yep. When it comes to uh, to this kind of a thing, the thing that I would ask everybody is that you you look at what Jeff's saying. Don't discredit him because of his uncle-in-law, because that's just silly. I mean, I, I don't. I, it, it's hard to take these kind of claims seriously on from this kind of a thing because I'm just going. I, I just want to go into full Ben Shapiro mode and destroy these people. Yeah. Uh, but but then I'm not <laughs> as smart as Ben Shapiro, so I, I can't. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is. Um, I, I don't know. I think this is something that's gotten blown way out of proportion. Yeah. Um, well, you, you know, and, and again, it's it's just like when when did when did family members that aren't in active ministry become become a part of dealing with a theological debate that that that's the that's the thing that that has been surprising to me like we all we always say like in politics how horrific it is when people go after spouses and children of like candidates right and they're they're supposed to be off limits and every time around somebody goes for the low blow and they say something disgusting about about a, about a family member Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? Why is that off limit for politics? Off limits for politics, but not for the church. You right. know what I mean? Like, like, and especially when you're doing dealing with like extended family members and in laws and things like that. Is how in the world does anybody think that that kind of thing is is okay? And the other, in the other side of it too, as we're kind of dealing with this, is to me, if you if you believe that Carl is sinning. That's a Matthew 18 moment. He he's not, he's not he's not a public teacher that's doing public statements on theology and he's teaching false doctrine or something like that that would warrant public condemnation of you know let's say he's preaching a false gospel. Yeah, you sh- you should publicly confront if he's preaching a false a false gospel publicly and training people, you should publicly confront that so that way you can protect other people from following in his in his footsteps and following what he's teaching. But if you believe that he's sinning in how he's conducting business, that's a Matthew 18 moment. You should be going to him first. If he doesn't repent, you bring somebody else. If he doesn't repent, then you go to his elders, and then the elders take it before the congregation. That's what you're supposed to do when it comes to personal sin issues. But for some reason, here, that that no longer applies. And I'm not really sure why, but we, but we have to look what does the Bible say and how do we obey the Bible. The Bible clearly says on these kinds of sins, on these kinds of sin issues, Matthew 18 applies. I don't know why it doesn't anymore. Right. Well, Matthew 18 has been thrown out the window uh, with a lot of the rest of the Bible, unfortunately, in our culture today, in our Christian culture. And uh, I I think that's a really valid point to make, too, because one thing that people would say, well, why can you attack MacArthur? In fact, actually, I have seen this on Twitter. Why can you guys uh, go after MacArthur and we can't go after Carl? And I'm going... Well, and people have asked me, I said, I, I really don't care about an event center in California. I'm, I'm in Iowa and I've never heard of this event center other than here through these Twitter things. I'm going like, 
I, I really don't care uh, about the issue. But the the big thing is, is looking at it as Carl isn't – if you were preaching at these events, mm-hmm. hey, have at it. I'm guessing the GK might even go and say something. I, I'm yeah. not sure. Or, 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 uh, or let's just, let's just even say, let's say he wrote a book on how to do evangelism this way, and then he went out and was going on podcasts and being a guest, and writing and having a website to train other people in order to do evangelism by starting freak shows all across the country. Yes, confront it because now what he's doing is he's trying to take what you believe to be sin, which. It, it it may be if if, the, if you're doing it as an actual ministry, then what you're doing is you is you need to condemn that so that way other people don't follow in those footsteps. But if he's just over here and he's doing something wrong in his own business, that's when it becomes Matthew 18. He's not, it's not like he's going out with a book trying to train people on how to do this. So that's right. where it's a personal thing, not a public statement from a pulpit. Yep, I, I I agree 100% on that, and that's uh, uh, th- that's what I'd encourage people to do is to contact Carl uh, if if they do have an issue. I know that there there are apparently quite a few people on Twitter who do have an issue because they tell me about it every week, and and and, and, and according to Carl, last I talked to him, no phone calls, no emails, no Facebook right. messages, nada. Right, and and to be and I think that there this needs to be made clear too. Um, so you you endorse the the salvation of Carl? Yes. Do you endorse the CIA as a Christian organization? Not as a Christian organization. I don't even think he would. Okay, because I yeah that you know that's that's what I'm I'm looking at because like I'm going I, when I say endorsement I'm going yeah. well, I, I'm sure you probably endorse it as the best freak show there is out there. Yeah, I, well I mean, it, it, I, that, I mean would, that would that would be like endorsing a movie theater. Right, like I mean, in my versus I... movie theaters, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I well, it, it, I think... it, well, and, and again, I'll just say this too. We have, we also have to remember he started this when he wasn't necessarily walking with Christ, and right. then he started walking with Christ, and then he realized, why don't I try to reach these people that are already coming to my place? Like it, it's yeah. it's not like he started it as an evangelistic method. Right. And, and, and I can totally understand where people would disagree. In fact, I, like I said, I would personally have, have a disagreement with, with this of going, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going, no, I, and, I've, and I've reached people on, on carnivals. Uh, I, I can't say I've reached people who are in freak shows, but I've reached people who are on carnivals, which is very much associated with, with freak shows and, and, and different things like that. I've, I've led people to the Lord okay, I, uh, on carnivals. Uh, so, I mean, I, I have some, some crossover. I have some disagreement with this, but I also have a lot of disagreement with a lot of other ways people do evangelism too. And I still do, still do recognize just because I wouldn't do it that way doesn't mean that God can't use that. Um, I, I still sin sometimes in front of people. I lose my my temper or something like that, and God can still use that. And that, like I said, it's not a justification of sin, but I'm going, we all have to realize there is a reason we do something the way that we do it, and there are things that we disagree with. That doesn't mean that we sit there and we call out everybody's uh, person who has a uncle-in-law who does an evangelistic method a way that we would disagree with, because that's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, I think that's about all we got time for here, so we'll have to save the Bigfoot conversation for another time. But Cliffhanger. Um, 
Yeah, cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming to Conversations with Jeff. I totally forget your sign-off, Jeff, so I'll let you do it. Uh, I, I feel like I change it up every time. So, But yeah, make, make sure that you follow Sam on Twitter, Facebook, Shining Light Podcast, all that kind of stuff. Make sure you guys are listening every week. Because, And again, I say this over and over, but I'm going to say it to your face is that the thing that I appreciate about Shining Light Podcast is they take complicated issues, they make it simple for everybody to understand. And, you know, like even going through like dispensationalism, which ends up it, it very easily being very complicated. And you guys just, you and Patrick find a way to make it really simple. So make sure you guys are tuning in and listen to them twice a week, every week. Well, praise the Lord. That That's awesome. Uh, glad for that. And it, I, I'm going to take that as an endorsement since we're talking about endorsements there all the time. You, there so. you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure I'm going to I'm going to get some uh, backlash for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and and one more that they're going to throw out here. This, this is a terrible way to end a podcast. I, I always love throwing those kind of hey, things. Hey, in. We, we might as well. Let's go. Let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Socialinjusticebook.com. Yes. Go there. Pre-order. Uh, put put Jeff down for the. Uh, for the code, and you get a free audio book. Or, or Sam, you know, we could actually have a contest here and see, and see who who gets more codes after this podcast, and we'll we'll see what happens. Oh, see, now I'm going to go buy a bunch of books. Yeah, <laughs> using using your own code. <laughs> yeah, using my own code. Yeah, that, that would not be very beneficial. But, yeah, but but uh, but but also when it, when it comes to this book, the the thing, the thing that I the thing that is really important that is that we were able to put together a great solid team of authors that are all experts in their field to each write a chapter in this book. So that way it's not just me talking. It's not just Sam talking. It's 12 different people that are all experts. So definitely pre-order the book should be ready into the summer and it'll be as in depth as probably you can possibly get on social justice. So you really understand it. Yeah. It's I'm excited to read it. I'm, I'm thrilled. So uh, go ahead, check it out. Once again, that's socialinjusticebook.com or you could just go to uh, Gatekeeper's website and it's right there. Yep. But either one. E- either, so. either way works. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, you, th- you th- have a great th- day. Th- thanks for having me on, Sam. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, I, I love hosting you on Conversations with Jeff. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. 
Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org.